Well, it's a good morning. Hope you all had some good Fourth of July celebrations, family, whatever it was that you got to do yesterday. I, it happens every now and then, but I sure don't like it when the Fourth of July falls on a Saturday. I don't know if that affects any of you all that way, but I don't mind the other days of the week. But when it falls on a Saturday, it's just uh, it's a little tougher. The um, neighbors around, you know, they all like to send off the firecrackers and, and things, and they do that until about midnight. And on Saturday nights, I, the one night I go to bed early, I get to bed around 9, 9.30, sometimes 10, and um, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah, so Friday night, that's fine. Thursday night, we're, we're okay. Wednesday, you know, all the other ones, but I'll tell you what, Saturday night. Hmm. Anyway. We're picking up where we left off here last week. There was a man who once told his wife, they were talking about some things, and he got to the end of life stuff, and he says, he says, honey, I never want to be put on, on uh, I never want to become in a vegetative state. He said, if I'm ever dependent upon a machine, I want you to just pull the plug. So the wife agreed, got up, and pulled the plug on the TV. See, folks, sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing. Sometimes we're focused on things that are not actually what's important there. In the area of submission, last week we started talking about what submission is not. Because sometimes we think we're submitted, and actually we're doing the things that submission is not. So you remember those? We said submission, first off, is not deaf. We gave you four things, D-E-A-F. First off, it is not dramatic. You should, no one should know that you are having problems submitting. The people around you know that you have a will different from the one above you. There's a problem. Leave the drama out of it. We looked at Jesus. When Jesus was in the garden, we all know that he had another will beside what the Father said, but none of us knows what it is. That's where it should be, should be kept. Submission is not drama. Submission is not easy. A lot of people think that, well, I'm submitted. I don't have any problem with submission. Submission comes easy to me. No, it doesn't. Submission does not come easy to anyone. Submission is not easy. If what you're doing is easy, it is probably not submission. You're going to have to go through some, some times when it's a little bit tough. Submission is not agreement. If you agree, you're not really submitting. Now, it's good, it's, it's okay to be in agreement. Don't feel like you've got to be in a disagreement all the time. And, no, but when you are submitted under someone, you're going to find that something like 70%, 80% of the time you might agree. But what do you do in those other times? That's where you find out how submitted you are. We agree with God. We agree with His Word most of the time, don't we? But when He hits a spot that, oh, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. What are you going to do then? Submission is not agreement. And fourth, submission is not forced. Otherwise, it wouldn't be submission. Word of God says, submit yourselves. Something you need to do. If submission in your life is forced, folks, it's not submission. If you are waiting for, submiss- for someone to bring you into a forced submission, it's not submission. If your boss tells you, be here at work at, <coughs> at 8 a.m., how many times should he tell you that? One time, right? One time. What time am I supposed to be here? You're supposed to be here at 8 a.m. 
He should never have to, he or she should never have to tell you that again. One time is it. If they have to keep reminding you every week, there's a problem. Because submission is not deaf. You need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Remember in Revelation, hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches? It's up to you to hear. It's up to you to understand. You've got to put that effort into it. When Jesus said to the disciples, beware of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, and they didn't understand, they got the wrong meaning. Whose fault was it? <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I should have explained that better. He doesn't do that. It's our job to understand. We've got to be diligent in the Word. How many times does the Word of God talk about being diligent to study? You've got to be in there. You've got, you got, you got to find out what is the Word of God saying? What's He saying to me? And then I need to submit to it. And I need to hold myself up to it. Am I submitted? If I don't come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and I know that that's what I'm supposed to be there, do I, do I need the boss to come over to me with a whip? You're late tomorrow, you're fired. No. That's not submission. That might get it done, but that's not what's supposed to be, be happening. No, don't be, don't be messing with that. If you know that a thing is supposed to be done, get it done. You see, the better you are at doing that, the more freedom you can have. The better you are, the more freedom you can have. And it's important. I've used my, remember my, my dog Shasta? I've used her as, as an example. The more she learned to submit to my will the more freedom I was able to give her. But if she rebelled against my will, now I've had a, I had a friend, he had a husky. Anybody ever had a husky? They don't like to submit to nothing. If you are thinking about getting a dog and you do not want a battle of wits, do not get a husky. In fact, it'd be a good advice for you, stay away from all sled dogs. All sled dogs have a strong will. I guess they need that to be driving the sled. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, this friend, they had a husky, and I think the husky is the worst of them all. Beautiful dog. Ever see, you've seen husky? Oh, beautiful dog. People buy them because they're gorgeous dogs. They just don't know what they are when they grow up. <laughs> they're, they're tough. You've got to be ready for a battle. You can, you can bring that thing into submission, but you're going to be in for a battle. You better be ready for it. I have, my dog was a shepherd. You don't have to work hard to get a shepherd to submit. They like to. They, they do like to. That's why they use them for police dogs and things like that. But the, the more freedom we were able to give, uh, the more she was submitted, the more freedom she was able to get. We could take her down, have her do things. Because if I told her to, to sit and stay, she sat and she stayed until I said get up. That could be a half hour. That could be 45 minutes. It didn't matter. And it didn't matter where we were. If I said sit and I said stay, it don't matter if a cat came by. She's not leaving that spot. I see you have, a, you have someone who can do all that. You can do some things. When God gets us trained up so that when he says stay, we stay no matter what, then he says we can do something with this. We can, we can go places. We can give them assignments because they'll, they'll do it. They'll handle it. If I say this, they will do it. That's where we need to get to, folks. So how, we were talking about it last week. How do we get to that place where we're able to do it? We looked at the verses in Scripture talk about Jesus' suffering. That there was some suffering that he went through. He learned obedience through suffering. We learned that in Hebrews. But we put that, gave you this last time. There is no suffering if you, all, if you always do what you agree with. 
you're always doing what you want to do, if you're always doing what you agree with, there's no suffering involved. We learn under other believers before we learn it under him. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So God is going to raise us up so that we are submitted to him. That's what he wants. He wants us to be submitted to him. And if he knows that there's other places in our life where we have submission to something different, he's going to bring that out and he's going to help us overcome it. Thank God he doesn't do it all at one time. But he trains us up. He gets us ready. Now, we have desires on the inside of us. We want to take a look at where those desires come from. This is nothing new to you. Y'all can pretty much figure this one out on your own. But there's three places where desires come from. First off, comes from our carnal nature. When we were born into this earth, we were born with a sinful nature, a carnal nature. nature. And in that sin nature, we want to sin. When that little baby is born, how many of y'all know that little baby knows how to disobey? You don't have to teach the baby how to disobey. The baby knows how to disobey. The baby knows how to be selfish. They just know how to do it. They're good at it. And a lot of things that are cute when they're little, you don't necessarily like when they're we're grown up. We got that carnal nature in us. And God says, I've redeemed you from it. But we have to walk according to the new nature. That's the first area. The second one is self-desires. Even beside the carnal nature you have on the inside of you, you desire to do what you want to do. You got your own will. Sometimes that will is born of very evil things. Sometimes that will is born of what seem to be good things. But whether they are born of evil or whether they are born of good, if what you desire is not what God's desire is, then it's not submission. And we need to do what? What God desires. That's what we need to do. We've got to submit to it. Here's the third one. God expectations. There are expectations that God has. They should build desires on the inside. They should do that. If you were on a, on a sports team or doing something that was involved in some kind of athletics and you had a coach, that coach would instill inside of you expectations. Expectations of greatness. Expectations of performance. Expectations of what you would do in the area that you're, you're going to do that. And that would build, if you, if you let this work right, that coach, their expectations would build in you a desire to practice. A desire to get better at what you are doing. And it would drive you into the gym, into the, whatever arena that it was that you needed to practice at. It would drive you to that place. You would practice because the coach built some expectations on the inside that spurned some, de- some desires. There are some desires that grew up from that. And you, oh, I am going to do this. Why do music, great musicians play their instruments so long and so much? Because of a great desire on the inside. So here they, here's where the desires come from. Carnal nature, self-desires, or God expectations. These are the places that they come from. Walking in submission is to fulfill the desires of another. 
That's what walking in submission is. When I walk in submission, I fulfill the desires of someone else. When I walk in submission to God, I fulfill His desires. That's what submission is. What does God desire? Well, read His Word. Let His Word build up a, a, an idea of what His desires are, an expectation that comes from Him. If I am submitted to Satan's kingdom, I will what? You can fill in the blank here with anything you want. If I am submitted to Satan's kingdom, I will do his will. Right? If I am submitted to the devil, I'm going to do devilish things. Now, some people are submitted to the devil, and it's very evident. And they produce very evil things. And it, it should be no surprise. That's, that's what it is. You know, we had that person who walked into the church, shot people. That's not a God desire. That's right from the, the pit of hell. But of course, the news media, in classic style, what's their focus? Focus is on a flag that really had no bearing on the crime at all. I, really, that's, that's what caused this whole thing? Because in the picture, I guess, on his car, the, on the license plate, there was a picture of that particular flag. And... Uh, that's, that's missing the point. What's, what's the point? The point was, the man was submitted to the will of the devil. And did the will of the devil. Didn't do the will of God. Did the wrong kind of a will. But you see, we focus on the wrong things. And they're just right there to help it out. If I'm submitted to Satan's kingdom, I will. I'm going to do his will. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you're of your father, the, the devil. Sounds like they're submitted to him to me. Yeah, but they're in the church. Yeah, that's the words of Jesus. Well, here's the other one. If I am submitted to myself, I will what? I'll do what I want. Remember the first time we got into this? The children of Israel did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in the land. Book of Judges. Repeat that verse two times. Middle and the end. There was no king in the land. You need to have a king. Now, someone's going to rise up and be that king. We, we, we were in a uh, dog training class. We, went, uh, we had one of those, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the sled dogs. We, got, we didn't know it was a sled dog. We found out it was a sled dog. And it wasn't quite as bad as a husky, but we, we decided we needed help to uh, bring this dog under control. And so we went to these classes, and they taught us things about dogs that we were not aware of. And so my wife and I, we were going to the classes. We were taking the, I think we had two dogs at a time. We were taking both dogs along for the, for the ride. And they told us, they said, your dog does not desire to be the alpha dog. But if you will not be the alpha dog, it will. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And so they, they gave us the ideas of what is an alpha dog to a, to a dog. You have to, you have to think like a dog. And you, we're not always doing that. We're you know, making dogs eat people food and we're making them think like people. They don't. They think like dogs. Because they are dogs. I mean, dogs are nice. I don't say that in a bad way. But that's what it is. And so they would tell us these things. Says, if you open the door up, who goes out the door first? Well, my dog does. Well, then your dog's the alpha dog. If you are coming down the stairs and the dog passes you, they're the alpha dog. If you're going up the stairs and the dog passes you, they're the alpha dog. If the dog eats first, the dog is the alpha dog. This is how a dog is thinking. This is what the dog is doing. 
So he gave us a number of the, these kind of things that, that went through there. And they said, well, what do you do when the dog tries to pass you up when you're going up the steps? He says, kick your leg out and pin it against the wall. Now, that sounds, that sounds mean. That just sounds mean. You're not a dog. That's what a dog expects. If the alpha dog is going to go outside of the cave or wherever they are, and another dog wants to go in, in front, you know what that alpha dog does? Snaps, growl, growls. You're not going out. I go out first. <laughs> That's what they do. That's what they expect. And so you do that. Now, if you do that once or twice, you don't have to keep doing it. The dog will say, I'm not passing. <laughs> and it'll stay back. See, it learns. It learns those things. And these are some of the things we have to do. You've got to take your will and you've got to bring it into submission to the, to the will of God. You need to let God come in and be the Alpha. We always like to sing about Him being the Alpha and the Omega. But folks, sometimes our will has become the Alpha, not Him. Because I want to do it, because I feel, because this, well, I know I shouldn't do that, but I just feel so upset right now. <laughs> hmm. All right, driving on down the road, listening to Christian music, worshiping God, and all of a sudden somebody does something they shouldn't do. What rises up on the inside of you? The love of Jesus or the will of self-preservation? <laughs> Come on, what rises up? <laughs> Yeah, we get mad. We want to go after that person. We want to stop that person from doing these things. We want to take pictures of, of uh, the, the incident or videos or get, find somebody around with a video camera. Did you get that? Did you see they cut out in front of me? They shouldn't cut out. We want to do all these kind of things. Yeah. See, our will has risen up. Don't let your will rise above the will of God. How did Jesus pray in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. Is that our true desire? It is not wrong for you to have a different will than God's. It is wrong for you to act on it. If it was wrong, Jesus sinned. And we know that Jesus didn't sin. He had a different will. Now, if you knew what Jesus was going through, how many of you could see, I might come up with a different way of doing that? I guess he submitted that idea. Father, I got an idea. What do you think about doing it this way? And the father says, it won't work. Oh, I know it will. I, I, I just know it will. I just know it will. No, it won't work. Well, let me try it. <laughs> That's not what he did. If I'm submitted to myself, I will do what myself wants. I'll do the I will. How did uh, Satan rebel? I will ascend. Five I wills. Get rid of those things. Well, I won't tolerate that. Hmm. If I am submitted to God, I will what? I'll do His will. I'll do His will. I'll find out what His will is, and I will do it. That's what we will do. In Second Timothy chapter three, verse twelve. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many of you ever suffered persecution because you decided to live godly? Nobody. A couple of people. All right, here we go. <laughs> That's good. If you decide to live godly, the Word of God says you will suffer persecution. This is not the suffering we're talking about. 
You can suffer persecution all day long. It may do nothing as far as getting you submitted to God. Persecution is not it. This is not the kind of suffering that goes on. It's a different kind of suffering. This is external suffering. This is suffering that comes from other people. What we're talking about, folks, is internal. We're talking about suffering that happens on the inside of you. That is what produces submission. That's where we need to get. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. We once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling what desires? Of the flesh and of the mind. Your mind has desires, your flesh has desires. Romans chapter 7 verse 8, But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. But this law came in, woke me up. You know when, when the kids are little, when you were little, all you had to hear was, do not do, and what did you want to do? Yeah, do not eat the cookies. Don't eat cookies before dinner. And all you wanted to do as a kid was eat cookies before dinner, right? Now you're an adult. No one's telling you not to eat cookies before dinner. How many times do you eat cookies before dinner? <laughs> all the time. All right, well. <laughs> we, we don't usually have cookies before dinner. <laughs> Even though we can, because we realize something better is, is going on. Before lunch, too. Before, before lunch too. Hey, I'll tell you what. There you go. I liked, um, there was some comedian who was out there and said, you know, he found out that he could go ahead and have cookies before dinner. His mom used to always tell him, you know, don't do it or ruin your appetite. I found out, he said, another appetite is right behind it. <laughs> so he went ahead and had cookies. Well, it, that desire comes in and that just wakens us up. Thou shalt not. It just wakens us up. We don't, uh, he says, that's, that's there. It's going to bring up that evil desire. How many of y'all know submission isn't hard until someone says, I need you to do this? And you don't want to do it. Put in your outline this, it is a conflict between what God desires and another desire working in us. This is the internal suffering that goes on. A desire of God on the inside of us and a desire against God that is on the inside of us. That is suffering. That creates a conflict. That creates a problem. And which direction are you going to go? What are you going to do? you got a choice. You can go this direction. You can go that direction. Submission means I go in God's direction all the time. Agreement means I go in God's direction when I agree. I go in another direction when I don't. That's not submission. Philippians 1, 23. For I am hard-pressed <clears throat> between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's saying, I got a desire to, to go on and be with God. I got a desire. How many of you can tell me that desire comes up when you every once in a while too? Just to go on and be with God. And you think about heaven and how good heaven is. And oh, glory to God, just going up there. But then... Well, yeah, but you're supposed to be down here helping 
the kingdom of God, doing the things for the kingdom of God. And so this is what Paul is saying. I got a desire to go on. And he, believe me, Paul had opportunity. He had opportunity to go on. There's all kinds of people wanting to kill him. He had opportunity, if he wanted to, to go on. But he didn't. He stayed and continued to press through all that because it was beneficial for the people, thus beneficial for the kingdom of God. So he stayed. In Romans chapter 7, verse 14, For we know that the law was spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, but what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me, right? I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So evil is with the one who wants to do, he desires to do good, but evil is present. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Just because you delight in the law of God does not mean you are in submission. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Which means I'm getting into submission to the wrong thing. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I've heard people talk about this verse of Scripture. And, well, that's me, that's me. I must be okay because that's exactly my state. And the Bible says right there, that's, that's a st- that must be okay. No, God's saying, get out of this. Paul's saying, this is the bad state to be in. This is a confused state. You shouldn't be in this state. Don't be in this place. Don't be having something on the inside that's warring so much against you that you do what you don't want to do. It's bringing you into captivity. He says, don't do it. We need to get out of that. And so then he goes into Romans chapter 8. That's the end of chapter 7. He goes into Romans chapter 8. He talks about the spirit man, how we can be dominated by the spirit. Glory to God. Many times, I'll put this in your outline. Many times we spiritualize the internal battle and turn what is carnal or selfish into something religious. Many times we spiritualize the internal battle and turn what is carnal or selfish into something religious. I've got a wrong battle. I've got a wrong will on the inside. I am battling. And I don't do what I should do. But we turn it not into something spiritual. We turn it into something religious. We make it look like, oh, this is an okay thing. It's not. You can polish up what it is that you're doing and make it look like it's okay with God. But you know better. The Pharisees polished up all the things they did. They made it look very religious. But God says, Mm-mm. nope, you're whitewashed tombs. You've got death on the inside of you. And you just paint over top of it to make it look different. That's not good. We turn what is carnal or selfish into something religious. Don't do it. Just because you put a religious brand on it, well, I don't think God would... It don't matter what you think God would. What did he say in his word? That's what you ought to do. Well, I just get so angry when people do... Well, that's not right either. Jesus got angry too. 
But he's not speaking out of his anger. He spoke out of his love. Sometimes he did it very firmly. But he didn't just speak out of anger and damage people. Speaking out of anger hurts people. You don't need to do that. Speaking out of love helps people. Love sometimes is tough. But if you are only speaking out of your emotions, if you're only speaking out of your feelings, if you're only speaking out of your desires, if you're only speaking out of what made you mad, what got you, uh, whatever it might be, then you are not learning what you need to learn through suffering. What you're saying is, as soon as I get to a point in my life where I begin to suffer in that conflict between what God says I should do and what I feel like I want to do, I will give in to what I feel like I want to do, thereby not suffering. And you give up your opportunity to develop yourself. You need to develop yourself. You need to get, go through there. Jesus had opportunities where he desired to do something that was different than what God wanted to do. How many of you all feel like that the wedding of Cana, that Jesus was on board with doing a miracle? Did anybody get that impression reading that story that Jesus, Will, he was on board? But something happened, right? Wouldn't that seem like it was the will of God for that thing to happen? And we've learned all kinds of things out of that miracle. But it doesn't seem like Jesus was on board. There are some things that happened that he, he didn't seem to quite be on board with. Remember when um, Lazarus died? If your friend was sick and you could, just by showing up, turn that situation around, how many of you, a close friend, how many of you want to go? What did Jesus do? He waited four days until Lazarus was dead. We've gone into the story before and the things that were involved, why Jesus waited four days and so forth, the trap that was being laid, people were out there to get him. The disciples said, let's go back with him. We'll, we'll all die together. They all expected to die because that particular city, they wanted to kill him. They tried to kill him. See, we're, he learned how to stay there. The will of God says what? Wait. The need says what? Go. The people around say what? Go. When he gets to the, to the city and the, the sisters come out to meet him, Master, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. What does Jesus do? Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. What's that, what's that depict for you? Sadness? Was Jesus suffering? Why? Because on the inside, he had something that said, I want to go and do this. But the father said, wait. So what did he do? He waited. He waited. You see, it's those kind of times when you have that suffering that comes on. That God is teaching you some stuff. When we do what God says to do and we're in agreement with it, we aren't suffering and we aren't learning. But when we hit those 20%, 15%, 10% areas where I disagree with the Bible, I disagree with God, that's where true suffering comes in and that's the suffering that will teach us something. That's what will go on. When God has put us under a man or woman of God and they do something we don't like, what do we do? Well, of course, we go home and we talk about it. No. See, we're not, we're not learning suffering. We're not learning that. You can't do that. If you do, then God, you're not learning what you need to learn and God cannot use you in greater situations. What will 
cause you to be, I'll put it to you this way. Can you be submitted and be in pride? Is it a truthful statement then to say that if you, the more pride that is in your life, the less submitted you are? The more pride that is in your life, the less humble you are. So the more humble you are, the more submitted you are. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that stand to reason? Who was the most humble man in the entire earth, according to the Bible? Moses. Moses. Who did God use to do more than anyone else that we know of besides Jesus? What Moses did affected several nations. Nations were affected by one man, Moses. Egypt, as a nation, was greatly affected by one man, Moses. Israel was affected by one man, Moses. How many nations did Israel come in contact with while they wandered around the wilderness that became affected because of one man, Moses? Yeah, he's humble and he's used. The more humble we get, the more used we can be. The more prideful we are, the less submitted we are, the less God can use us. It's imperative that we learn submission. And you will only learn submission when you go through the suffering and the suffering that you go through when you do something that is the desire of someone else but not your own. If Jesus did this, folks, then we should. I'll take a look at Paul. Paul was going around on his missionary trips. And the Word of God says, if you remember the book of Acts, I didn't write this down for you to go through, but they desired to go into Asia. And what did the Word of God say about Paul? But the Spirit forbade us. What was his desire? To go into Asia. What, is, what was the Spirit's desire? Not to go. So what did he do? He didn't go. Was that creating a suffering on his part? If you were here when we were doing the book of Acts, we, have, we actually put up a map and we showed you how far Paul traveled and did nothing. It was pretty far. Until finally he got the, the call, man from Macedonia, and we deduced from that that uh, God was telling us to go into Macedonia. We did, and he got beaten thrown into prison. Good things happened. But that was a, that was a conflict. That was a, that was a different desire. Remember when Paul was stoned and left for dead? And he got up. And what did he do? He went back into the city. The one that just stoned him. How many of you, if you got stoned and left for dead, desire to go back into the city of the people that just stoned you? Could you, could you imagine a different desire working on the inside of you? How many of you would come out of there and say, well, if you're going to treat me like that, I'm out of here. <laughs> I am gone. We would do that, right? But what did Paul do? You see, folks, the area of growth is not in the 80% of the areas where you agree and work in and there. The areas of growth are in the 20% or whatever percentage it is of areas where you disagree with God, where you disagree in the area of submission, and you do it anyway without drama, without bringing anybody else into the picture. But as far as everyone knows, knows, what you did is what you wanted to do. Now imagine this. Jesus is on the cross. You want to talk about suffering. Jesus is on the cross. How many of y'all know he doesn't want to be there? He's already said, not my will, but your will be done. That means he doesn't want to be there. He's willing to be there. 
but he's not wanting to be there. He tells the disciples, I can call 10,000 legions of angels right now and they will come. I think that's an astounding thing to know. Jesus could call at any time angels and they would come. One angel showed up in the Old Testament and slayed 185,000 warriors. One. One angel. If you call a legion of angels, what do you think they could do? you think Rome could stand up against that? Mm -mm. He could call a legion of angels and they would come. Not that they would think about it, not that they would consult God. He says, if I call them, they come. Can you imagine the suffering that you're going through knowing that you are on the cross and you have the ability to say, come, and they will come and deliver you off this cross and not do it? I sometimes just sit back there and think about that. I say, my, my father, how, how in the world? How can I get to that place where I can be so submitted that it is in my power to do something that I want, but instead I do what you want? Hmm. That's, that's the place we need to get to, right? In the end, I will do whatever the kingdom of God needs becomes, I will do it my way. My way is spiritual. My way is right. We pass it off with all kinds of verses. and You know, you can get just about anything you want to do to be supported in Scripture. You can get just about anything you want to be done to be supported in Scripture. Just about anything you want. It can be done. We were listening to, my wife and I were listening to uh, somebody this week and they were talking about the, the Scripture. It talks about the dividing Scripture. I've heard it a number of times and I've thought about it in a different way. I never thought about it by this. But he said, if you divide something, you have to divide it by something. So if you're going to divide truth, then you have to understand truth in light of another truth. You cannot divide something by itself. So truth is always understood by other truth. I thought, well, that's a, yeah, that's a neat way to put that. I <laughs> hadn't really thought of it in that, that particular direction. Thought of it in other ways. Kind of got to the same, same end point, but wouldn't really think about that. But isn't that the way that Jesus did it? When the devil finally came quoting scripture at him, what did he do? He quoted scripture back. Because you understand truth by truth. But you see, sometimes we just want to grab hold of a truth and it supports what we want to do and we throw it on out there like we are spiritual. But I'm not doing the will of the kingdom. I'm stirring up strife. I'm getting people angry. I'm doing things my way. Don't be doing that. I will do whatever the kingdom of God needs becomes I will do it my way. My way is spiritual. Suffering for your testimony is mostly external. That's flesh against flesh. Suffering for growth is mostly internal. That's flesh against spirit. Your flesh against your spirit. Now there's some growth that we saw. Abraham, how many of y'all know, I'm glad for this, Abraham eventually succeeded. He failed in the beginning. We saw his failures. We've talked about his failures. We talked about times when he had a desire. He had a desire for things to go a certain way. And he, he pursued those desires. But eventually he got to the place where if God desired, God, you want me to sacrifice my son? We're, we're out of here early in the morning. Let's go. He eventually got to that place. We didn't see a whole lot of what transpired as far as the suffering that went in between that got onto that spot. But there was stuff that went on. We just didn't get to see it all. We know that Saul failed in his internal sufferings. I'm going to just read one of these to you. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 6, 
When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have, kept the command, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what you got here is a man who was told something by God. Go here. Wait seven days. I will come. Prepare the sacrifice. And we'll go into battle. That's what he is told. That's the commandment. Wait seven days. He was waiting, not quite seven days. We're getting to the, towards the end of the seventh day, but we're not there yet. But the people are leaving. And he, he says, I felt compelled. Which means, what was going on inside of Saul? Suffering. He was not quite in agreement with what was happening. He felt like Samuel should be there. That we shouldn't be having to keep waiting. That the people should not be being dispersed. That we need to get ready to go into battle. He's going through this suffering and God is watching. What's he going to do? Which way is he going to go? If he goes this way, I can't use him. If he goes this way, not only can I use him, I'll establish his kingdom forever. Can you imagine that? One decision. And he, got, he went through that suffering and he couldn't suffer. He couldn't suffer anymore. And he gave in to the suffering. Who was he submitted to? He's supposed to be submitted to God. He's supposed to be submitted to Samuel. Samuel gave him the instructions for the Lord. And what did he do? Came up with a better way. You go two chapters over, 1 Samuel 15. And we see he was told by God, go into battle. I want you to kill all the kings. I want you to, kill, I want you to wipe everything out. Don't bring anything back. Wipe it all out. And so he goes into battle and he comes back out and Samuel meets him. And he says, look, I did everything the Lord told me to do. And Samuel says, remember those famous words? What is that bleeding of sheep that I hear? <laughs> uh-huh. That doesn't quite scream submission, does it? That means that in the heat of battle, the people came to him and said, hey, why are we wiping all this stuff out? Why don't we take some of this stuff back? This is good stuff. And he was going through some suffering. And who won? It wasn't the good side. It wasn't the good way to, to be there. The wrong thing won. He didn't suffer. He couldn't endure. Folks, there is suffering that you are going through now. Some of it seems insignificant. And yet, it may have huge benefits for where you're going down the road. Because God says, I can trust you to do something that maybe you don't agree with. But you'll do it because you're submitted. The more submitted we become, the more humble we are. 
the less pride is at work in us, the more God can use us. In David, we get to see how he got there a whole lot more. We're not going to go over all the stories, but David faced a lion. How many of you could see that there would be a battle that would be going on inside of you as far as desires are concerned? If a lion were to come down and try and steal one of your sheep, I'm thinking sheep or me. (laughs) Right? Sheep or me. But David decided it's going down. A bear came in, did the same thing. What did he decide? Let's go take on the bear. A giant came in. What did he decide to do? Let's go take on the giant. He had family trouble. His father didn't think very highly of him. Doesn't even bring him out when the prophet comes to anoint people or someone for, to be king. Doesn't even bring him out. Probably doesn't even believe his story about the lion and the bear. Thinks he made it up. He serves Saul. Saul's all excited about him. And then all of a sudden Saul becomes less excited because David is succeeding. He's killing Philistines. He becomes jealous of him. Saul tries to kill him. What's David do? Man, you're going to do that to me? I'll show you. I don't have to serve you. I don't have to be over here and do this sort of stuff. I can go and do my own thing. I know other people will be happy to have me come in there. I'll go over to Philistines. They'll love it if I kill 10,000 of their enemies. (laughs) He doesn't do that, does he? He stays right in there and he serves Saul because he's serving God and God put him under Saul. So he stays in there and he does it. Throws the spear at him. Finally, David gets the message. I guess he doesn't want me to be here. And so he has to go. While he's out there, Saul's chasing him. Two times, Saul gets into his hands where he could kill him. And two times, what does David do? He's got pressure. He's got people saying, come on, let's kill him. One of those guys says, I'll run him through with the spear. I won't need a second one. I won't need a second time. I'll take care of this in the first time. We'll be done. And he says, no, no, don't do it. He cut off the end of his robe and he felt guilty about that. God was raising him up. God was training him up. God was getting him ready. And David went through the suffering. Stay in the world. Now we saw sometimes he didn't, but he got himself ready. He was made king. There were times with the thing with Bathsheba and the census, so forth. And he, uh, he didn't quite do it there. But you can see, God was getting him ready through suffering. Saul didn't get himself ready. But David got himself ready. Abraham did some stuff too. We just don't have all the stories of, of all the things he did, but he did some things. Here's the question we leave with you. Are you passing up opportunities to grow? Are you passing up opportunities to grow? There are opportunities you have to submit to someone that God put in your life. To submit to the will of God that He has revealed. There are things that God has done that He has put... And you have the choice. I can either suffer and do what God said to do, even though I don't agree with it, even though I don't like it, and do it like it's my own will. Because how did Jesus go to the cross? All right, guys, I'm doing this, but I don't like it. I want you all to know, I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I had a better way. But God didn't want me to do that, so I'm doing it His way. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do it. And neither should we. But that will produce suffering. So what are you going to do in that? That suffering is there to produce something on the inside of you. 
It's to get you ready for what is down the road and for where God wants to take you. You may not agree with what the Word says. You may not like what the Word says. You may not agree with someone that God has put over you says to do. But suffering produces obedience. Produces an obedient lifestyle. The Word of God, we looked at it last week. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. We're not talking about obedience of right and wrong. We're talking about obedience of doing the will of God. Are you passing up opportunities to grow? Because you want to do it your way. Because you want people to know that your way is better. Because you want people to know what you know. Are you passing up opportunities to grow? God is training you. And just as he did with Saul, you have an opportunity. And how you choose on those days depends on whether you go in one direction or whether you go in another. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunities you give us in life. Some of these opportunities, Father, you have directly led us to. Some of these opportunities we have just stumbled upon. But whatever it is, Father, when we come into a place and we find that we are not in agreement, but we know what your will and what your word says, and it's different from what we want, we will gladly take on the suffering that we encounter because we know it will do good for us. It will produce good things. Just as it did for Jesus, it will do for us. Father, I thank you. We do have a lot to learn. To get rid of the pride, to walk in humility, to do the things that you've called us to do, to be in submission. Father, if we will submit to you and then resist the devil, he will flee from us. Father, we thank you for what you are leading us into, what you walk us into. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. This morning we have our communion time, first Sunday of the month. Our ushers are going to come around and bring the elements to you. Think about the time on the cross as Jesus was going to the cross. All the things that were going on in him. He was our example of what learning obedience through suffering is. That the greatest thing that ever happened in our life was done because someone was willing to suffer to learn how to be obedient. Someone would have the power to call the whole thing off and would not use it. He would not use it for our benefit. What a Savior, Jesus. As we take part of the elements today, let's remember the body. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us because he saw us as worthwhile. He saw us as worth the price. He loves us that much. We may look at ourselves and say, I don't know how you can love me that much. We may look at uh, some of the other people we know on this earth and I don't know how you can love them that much. But God does. He loves you that much. He gave his son his only son, to die on the cross. And he didn't just give him. 
the Son laid down His life. He told us in the Word. Jesus said, No man takes my life. I lay it down. He did it for us. Let's, as we eat together, remember that before the Last Supper, He took the bread and He broke it. He said, This represents my body, which is broken for you. Take this and remember. We need to remember upon His body was put our sickness, our disease, our aches, our pains were put on Him that we would not have to bear it. Take together. After supper, He took the cup. He said, This represents a new covenant. The old covenant just covered up sin. This one washes it away. The blood of Jesus paid the price for our sin. We have been redeemed, bought back, Nothing more we need to add. So we drink together. Let's remember what he did for us. Praise God. Before we go here this morning, so we have some praise reports. Let's hear what it is that God has been doing. This one, um, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Um, Pastor Steve has a report that happened this weekend. Um, actually, this week. He, says he was right next to our granddaughter when she disturbed a nest of yellow jackets. And he was able to get her out of the way without being stung. Praise God. Um, this one's from Ara. There's actually a couple here. She says, I praise God for the great things he's done for me in this season from April to July. He healed me of two medical conditions. One during um, the Hoskins Ministries when they were here. And he says another one in April. He says concerning the one in April, um, I went to the doctor for a checkup. And he said, it's not there. I don't see anything. So praise God for that. Second one, she says that she got her driver's learner's permit and her very first job. Woohoo! Praise God for that. Here in the States, not your first <laughs> job, but the first <laughs> job here. And she says, I thank God for my little brother who is celebrating his birthday today. And <clears throat> this one is from Ento. And um, she says, On Saturday, the day before Father's Day, she had the opportunity to sow a small financial seed into a minister of God's life whom she had just met. He later shared with her that the Lord led him to get something for himself he had always wanted. Now, I'm hoping I'm saying this right. He said it cost over $200,000, and he was able to buy it for less than $100. Wow. (laughs) Now, is that God or is that God? (laughs) And he still had 30% of the gift that she had given him left over. This really blessed um, her to hear the testimony, and I thank God for multiplying the seed abundantly. See what happens when you expect God. (laughs) Hmm. Amen. Um, Corey says, I don't typically let people buy things for me, but on Friday, a woman from a local church was paying for people's food at Wawa, so she blessed him with free breakfast. Amen. And Daryl said, God blessed us this week with a brand new ping pong table for only $10 and a brand new comforter set he got for free. Amen. Uh, Ethel said um, she praises God for hearing and answering her request to become more spiritually minded. You know, I I just want to add something on that. When you start doing that, when you start asking God to show you more spiritual things, boy, he opens up a whole new realm. You know, like this morning we were singing that song, Grace Like Rain. If you look in the Spirit, you could actually see the grace falling down and just covering and washing away. I mean, boy, when you don't look in the natural stuff, but you look into the supernatural, He just opens your eyes to so much. Um, This is from Josiah. Now, I don't want to get this one mixed up. Can you hold on to that for a minute? 
Um, Josiah says, I began to get caught up in the cares of this world. It was starting to overwhelm him, but Wednesday's message dealt exactly with how he was feeling. He was corrected and encouraged, and I thank God for speaking to me through his word. You know, I thank God for people who are willing to accept correction. <laughs> comes from the Lord. Um, Nick says, my thanks is for the blessing from the word of God. Says Matthew 22:14 says, for many are called, but few are chosen. He praises God that we are both called and chosen as his. Amen. And Josiah says, I want to thank God <laughs> for the very preserve that I received last week. Glad it was good. <laughs> uh, Susan says, praise the Lord. Her third book of the Moses trilogy is with her agent. Hallelujah. And the book that she's been writing is finished. Amen. I like that. Let me see that. The end. Um, oh, this is another one from Ento. She says, last weekend, I was, while I was away, I had the opportunity to see a family friend that she hadn't seen in a long time. Um, she and her family have been going through a rough time. In fact, the last time that they visited, um, she was in such a bad mood, oh my goodness, that she drove my mom and I out of her house. <laughs> I saw her at a Christian camp later last Saturday and I thought to give her a hug her and her daughter a hug I was so happy that they both reached out to me with smiles and hugged us too she said they um, even stayed after the service to talk she says thank God for healing and restoration amen 